Welcome to Dental Dilemmas, brought to you by the ADA Council on Ethics, Bylaws, and Judicial Affairs, and I am your host, Alex Mellion. Today, we begin a series of episodes that were recorded live at the ADA's annual SmileCon meeting in Houston, Texas. Using the ADA's Code of Ethics and Professional Conduct, we will analyze one of the Council's most popular ethical moments. The ethical question was posed by Dr. Elizabeth Reynolds in a previously published article in July of 2013. I live in an area in which the economy has had a significant impact on dentistry. We all have seen our production numbers drop over the past two years, so we are struggling a bit. Many dentists have initiated advertising programs they might not have considered during better times. I do feel, however, that most of us try to abide by the ADA's principles of ethics and code of professional conduct. Recently, I found out that one of my colleagues is raffling off a jet ski. The rules of the raffle state that each person who refers a patient to the dentist's practice will have his or her name entered into the raffle. The more people one refers, the more entries one gets. Is this a a violation of the code? Dr. Reynolds, it's wonderful to be here with you this morning. Um, We we are recording live um, our next series of episodes at the ADA SmileCon Podcast Influencer Hub. Dental Dilemmas is excited to be here and we are honored to have you. Um, Before we jump into today's topic of raffling off prizes for referrals, could you please tell us about yourself and where you practice? Hey, Alex. It's really nice to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am in Richmond, Virginia. I'm a general dentist. Uh, I've been in practice for over 20 years, and I have three partners. So we have kind of a medium-sized practice, two offices, and we're all general. Um, And how did you select dentistry as a career path, and how did you get involved in organized dentistry and serving on CJEP? I think as you look around, so many dentists are legacies, right? Mm -hmm. So my dad was a dentist. Um, He was much older. I love to tell the story. He graduated in 1930 from dental school. He was born in 1906. Um, So he was a wee bit Mm -hmm. older when he had me and my two younger sisters. So I watched him practice. He started his practice during the Depression, obviously, and practiced in a very small town, being a true small-town dentist. People paid him in however they could, vegetables, meat, eggs, or if they couldn't pay him, that was kind of okay, too. And I loved watching him go to work every day, whistling, walking if he wanted to, coming home for lunch. And I think that when you see somebody love what they do that way, um, it encourages you to pursue the same opportunity. Absolutely. I, I had the same inspirations. I'm a second generation dentist as well. And I, I tell a similar story that my dad just loved, loved what he did every day and had a similar. So it's, it's great to have those mentor, mentors and role models as well. For sure. I mean, yeah. my dad practiced till he was 80. Wow. We have two guys in Richmond, in the Richmond area, who are practicing as well. And they don't practice in their 90s, but they still go into the office. So that speaks pretty strongly of our profession. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you for sharing that. Um, today we are talking about the dentist um, referral relationship. Um, when working with referral, um, what are your expectations and how do you establish that relationship? So, as I said, I've been in practice for quite a while. As you might imagine, I've kind of already established my referral relationships. I speak to the students every year, to the third and fourth year students, and and I speak to the graduate, the residents as well, and I always try to explain to them what the importance is in having a good referral basis. So when I moved into town, I looked around and found practices that practice similarly to how my practice, which I joined, was practicing. 
And from those practices, I met the newer dentists coming in. My referrals and I, we have an endodontist, a periodontist, a prosthodontist, an oral surgeon, and an orthodontist. There are six of us who met every month for 25 years until COVID, and that kind of shut us off a little bit. One's retired now, and but we met every month, and we would go over cases. And they weren't just our cases. They were all cases. So I may bring a case that another endodontist is doing or that another orthodontist is doing. That helped establish my relationship with my referrals. And when I have a situation in my office, I can call and they will always pick up the phone and help me. You know, if a tooth, if a patient shows up on Monday morning with a tooth fractured at the gum line, number eight, I can call one of my periodontists. He will get that patient in and place an implant, send her back to me so I can immediately provisionalize and vice versa. If he's doing a surgical procedure and something goes awry, he can call me and I can put an Essex in for the patient, whatever. I think communication and trust are key in those relationships. No, I couldn't agree more. And having that study club environment, I know a lot of, especially new dentists and younger dentists seek that. So that's a, a kind of wonderful and that it's especially that it was established and going for so long. That's what I tell the students. Yeah. I always tell them to find their tribe because I think your tribe is what's going to make you successful, happy, and and healthy, you know, mentally healthy yes. as you go through this process of learning to practice dentistry. How would you differentiate between a referral of a new patient based on perceived quality of the dentist versus a new patient based on increasing your chance to win a prize? So in the article you talk about um, kind of a situation where um, a new referral or a different referral may be looking to um, gain patients by some sort of reward or raffle or whatnot. So, and I know like you said, you have your kind of established core um, group of referrals, but what are your thoughts on that? And just overall, you touched on some really good points in the article. Um, I, I think they're apples and oranges, okay. right? Mm -hmm. So my, I think your primary focus always has to be your patient. And that doesn't mean just so you know that I refer every patient to the exact same person because we have amazing specialists in my area and personalities make a difference. Yep. I have one oral surgeon who walks in, does his job amazingly and walks out. Yep. And I have patients who want you to walk in, do your job and walk out. They struggle with me because I talk too much, but I, I have that patient. I have these other patients who need a lot of handholding and a lot of explanation. I don't send that patient to my walk-in, walk-out guy. Right. I send that patient to my woman who, or man who is gonna put their hand on his, on his shoulder and explain what they're doing. No, the drawing means nothing to me, yeah. right? And I think that there is a huge difference in referrals I think this is probably the next question. Maybe yeah, I'm no, segueing into your no, next you're question. Exactly, yeah, you're, lead, um, you're leading right that perfectly. Between thanking people who refer yeah. and buying referrals, for lack of a yes. better word. And I think that part of that delineation is quite honestly on a per person basis. So that's why I feel pretty strongly about not paying patients for referrals. I know a lot of practices do it. They will send $50 for every referral that the patient sends or, or send a gift card to dinner. I do think that's incredibly inappropriate because that, again, is not putting the patient first, right? If, you, if I'm sending you to Dr. Jones because Dr. Jones is going to pay me $50 for you, it's not, and you're my patient, it's not you of whom I'm thinking. It's me. Right. Right? Yep. So... 
I do, I mean, I, we all get gifts from referrals at certain points in time, right? I may get uh, a gift card at the end of the year or my staff will get lunch sometimes. A lot of my referrals have gone to donating in our, in our honor, which I think is great. That's wonderful. Yeah. Right? So they'll give to Feed More or they'll give to their Mission of Mercy Project or the Virginia Dental Association Foundation. Amazing. Right. Because everybody benefits. Right. But it doesn't, it doesn't have an impact on where I send my patients, which I think is a very careful line to walk. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you. And I know that that's the, the ethical discussion we're, we're looking to cover, that that line is kind of a gray area. And the code reads that um, you're not allowed to pay, um, kind of pay, obviously, for patients, but kind of a thank you kind of that line is, is gray, but at the same time, you kind of know it when you see it, I think. You, you described it very well. And I think that if you are, if you were treating your patients ethically and being ethical yourself, you see that line, right? Right. Yes. You see yeah. that line. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so just an, another, a few other questions here. So um, you talked about in the article again that there, um, the raffle such as this, or as you're going down that path and. In this instance, that was the raffles that the referral was looking to do. But are there any other instances of things that um, that referral could possibly turn to, and like an economic downturn or whatnot that you talked about in the article, to, get, to possibly to gain patients? Or how would you how would you look at establishing those relationships? I think visiting the referring dentist is the best way to set that relationship up. Come to see me, and I've said this to my um, because you know all the obviously my. The people to whom I refer are older in the practice now, and so they have young folks coming in. And they can't see my patients all the time, and they're not always things I need for them to do, right? I, I, yeah. my, my patients can see these younger folks coming in. But those people need to come see me. Right. They need to come introduce themselves to me. And if I call and say, I have a patient coming in, you need to be responsible and responsive to me. Yes. Because that yes. I, the one thing I, I try to tell the, um, the residents is that the general dentist is the captain of the team. We are the quarterback and we dictate, not dictate is not a right word, but we like to control what happens to our patients. Correct. So do not have my patient come see you as an oral surgeon and you send me back some implant that I've never, of which I've never heard, can't restore because it's not placed appropriately and now it becomes my problem. Right. Yeah, and I think and that yeah, I and think I, communication is so important, right? Right. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. And being a younger dentist, sometimes um, how a younger dentist may a different generation may communicate from one to the other, but I, I couldn't agree more. I think sitting down, making the phone call, or meeting for lunch, or getting together after is um, just makes fosters a great relationship working as well. Um, and then in discussing the ADA code of ethics, so what does being an ethical dentist mean to you? And I know you served on CIVJA previously, but and how do you apply the ADA code in daily practice? I think being an ethical dentist begins with the treatment of patients. It follows with the treatment of your team, the treatment of your partners. It, en and it encompasses your entire dental experience, right? So right. you adhere to the code. You, when in doubt, I still keep an old school code book on my desk. So there are times when things happen. And for the most part, once you've practiced a long time and you've been on CJ, you can figure it out. But every now and then I need a little refresher and yeah. I'll open up the book and I'll say, oh, this is 
non-maleficence, right? Mm -hmm. This is cut and dry. I need to go take care of it this way. And I think having that, having something to which you can refer when you need it or someone. Right. I've called Tom and yeah. said, Tom, yeah. and he's happy to call, to call me back or take my call and yeah. give me a hand. So I think that it provides you a foundation from which you can practice and not ever have to doubt. Yeah. As a new dentist on the committee, um, I remember that one of the first meetings, Dr. Bob Wilson was chair at the time, sent us all, made sure everybody had an updated um, code and an actual paper copy of the book. And I still have that copy. And the longer I've been on Seabja, the more I appreciate it and the more I understand it. So it's a little dog-eared. <laughs> yes. Yep. Pages turned down. Right. But it is something that I refer to. Um, and then while we're at, we're obviously at SmileCon, I know that our listeners can hear some of the background noise, but um, Dr. Brene Brown was just the opening session and I know that you were excited to see her. So being a little bit off topic, could you talk about that experience and maybe some of the takeaways you had from it? I'm still, my heart is still pounding. I'm a total fangirl. <laughs> um, I love her. She speaks a whole different language for me. I am not into, I, I just am not into that therapy, kind of all of that language. Mm -hmm. So. I have to pay particular attention to the way she says things, but vulnerability is so important and it's so important that with the, in the way in which we communicate with our patients and our staff. She's, she touched on that today. I also love that she can look at herself mm -hmm. and my, did you see her today? I did. I, I saw a good majority of it. Yeah. So my favorite yeah. thing was when she was trying to communicate with, the, with this one staff member and the woman said, she said, how can I help? And she said, well, I'd rather you just not walk in and say, did you call the lawyer today? You, why don't you say good morning first? It would make me feel better. And yeah. Brene Brown said, I wrote the book that says, speak to your, your people, you know, make trust happens in small moments. Yet I can't live it. And I think you have to be pretty sure of who you saw, who you are and where you are to be able to talk yourself out like that, right? Yeah. Put no, yourself out. Right. And yeah, her self-reflection, it was very, it was interesting to see and the vulnerability that she discussed was, was pretty awesome. So I think it, it could be more on point with a lot of things that we're talking about at SmileCon as well. I agree. Yeah. And then do you have any final thoughts or takeaways, takeaways about SmileCon, the article or anything else? Um, no, I'm super excited to see the podcast, yeah. to see how you incorporate everybody in. Um, I just got here yesterday. I specifically came early to see Brene Brown. So I'm going to be in SmileCon this afternoon and tomorrow. I can't wait to see how it all pans out. The energy is incredible. So I'm hoping it's going to be a great meeting. Yeah, Thank you so much. This has been a great time, and I really enjoy doing these in person. So thank you, and thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Have a great rest of your meeting. You too. Thank you. A final note about the episode. Please see the show notes for a link to the original article and stay tuned for future episodes. At the close of the episode, continue listening to hear the sections of the ADA's Principles of Ethics and Code of Professional Conduct pertinent to the original Ethical Moment article. Thank you for keeping ethics at the forefront of the dental profession and join Sibja as we continue to solve dental dilemmas. This article discusses two sections of the ADA's Principles of Ethics and Code of Professional Conduct. These sections are as follows. Section 4, Justice. The dentist has a duty to treat people fairly. This principle expresses the concept that professionals have a duty to be fair in their dealings with patients, colleagues, and society. Under this principle, the dentist's primary obligations include dealing with people justly and delivering dental care without prejudice. 
In its broadest sense, this principle expresses a concept that the dental profession should actively seek allies throughout society on specific activities that will help improve access to care for all. Section five, veracity. The dentist has a duty to communicate truthfully. This principle expresses a concept that professionals have a duty to be honest and trustworthy in their dealings with people. Under this principle, the dentist's primary obligations include respecting the position of trust inherent in the dentist-patient relationship, communicating truthfully and without deception, and maintaining intellectual integrity. Advisory Opinion 5F4, Referral Services. There are two basic types of referral services for dental care, not-for-profit and the commercial. The not-for-profit is commonly organized by dental societies or community services. It is open to all qualified practitioners in the area served. A fee is sometimes charged to the practitioner to be listed with the service. A fee for such referral services is for the purpose of covering the expenses of the service and has no relation to the number of patients referred. In contrast, some commercial referral services restrict access to the referral service to a limited number of dentists in a particular geographic area. Prospective patients calling the service may be referred to a single subscribing dentist in the geographic area and the respective dentist billed for each patient referred. Commercial referral services often advertise to the public stressing that there's no charge for use of the service and the patient may not be informed of the referral fee paid by the dentist. There is a connotation to such advertisements that the referral that is being made is in the nature of a public service. A dentist is allowed to pay for any advertising permitted by the code, but is generally not permitted to make payments to another person or entity for the referral of a patient for professional services. While the particular facts and circumstances relating to an individual commercial referral service will vary, the council believes that the aspects outlined above for commercial referral services violate the code and that it constitutes advertising which is false or misleading in a material respect and violates the prohibitions in the code against fee splitting. Remember to keep ethics at the forefront of your daily practice and stay tuned to Siebja Decode's Dental Dilemmas.